there in our, our message tonight. And uh, we'll take a few moments to have a prayer time. Uh, I do want to mention a couple of folks. Uh, my aunt, Debbie, and Uncle James out in Albuquerque, New Mexico, we mentioned Sunday, uh, they got COVID back when COVID was first coming into the United States and not a lot was known about it. And the doctor that they went to at the time pretty much said, there's nothing we can do. Go home and get your affairs in order because more than likely you're going to die from this. That's what they said back then because they didn't know how to treat it or what was going on. And they were able, God spared both their lives, and they came through it. And then she texted me uh, last Sunday uh, between Sunday school and church and said, Uncle and I both have COVID again. So this is their second round through it. It's been just about two, not quite two years uh, since they had it before. So I text, I asked her Sunday, I said, are things better than last time? And she said, oh, yes, it's not nearly as bad until I texted them yesterday. And they said it's really, really gone pretty bad again. And so... If you will, continue to pray for them. And then I also just got word uh, tonight that Mary Buckaloo also uh, has been uh, uh, diagnosed with COVID. And uh, she has underlying health conditions as well. So uh, continue to pray for her uh, as she battles that. Uh, I talked to Brother Randy Reed last night in uh, Miss Victoria had, had COVID. And I think Brother Randy even was diagnosed with it. Uh, Brother Randy is now back at work, and Miss Victoria, believe it or not, with all the other health problems she has, uh, Brother Randy said she, God was very gracious there, and she didn't have much more than just a really bad sinus infection from it. And so uh, her symptoms were fairly mild. And so thank the Lord for that, but continue to pray for her. And uh, also for Brother Randy, uh, he's been through some cancer recently and had some uh, cancer removed. He's been doing some chemo treatments and different things. And they've also got some needs, and I'll, I'll mention that to you here in a week or two, uh, about some things that they have need of as well, and uh, have our church pray about if we want to be able to try to help them in some way uh, also. Brother Randy's been uh, many, many years here at this church. In fact, his dad was, I think they were some of the charter members here, him and his mom, uh, or uh, brother uh, Randy's dad and mom were. And uh, so they've been here many, many years. Brother Randy has kept our books and uh, every week he's in here doing the books or at home doing the books and has done that faithfully for many, many years and uh, uh, for quite a few years now. And so uh, if there's a way that we could be of help to him, I certainly want to try to do that. And uh, so we'll be praying about that. I'll let you know a little bit more about their need here in a week or so once everything uh, dies down from all the stuff we're already doing. And uh, if God wants us to help with that, then he'll, he'll meet that need as well. We'll supply that uh, as well. So uh, several things to be in prayer about. Um, also, my daughter Alyssa was up here for a couple of days, and I thank the Lord for that. Uh, it was, had a wonderful time uh, spending some time with her, and uh, she'll be flying back tomorrow morning early, and so pray that God will give her safety as she flies back. Um, and then, of course, for Joanne and Katrina, I talked to them a little bit tonight, and I said, are, how are things going? You know, And she said, they're getting worse. <laughs> And uh, those of you that have been through it know what she means by that. It's uh, all the arrangements that had to be made and the stress of uh, the, the funeral service and all of this. And, and then, too, the sorrow begins to, to grow as, as the shock and the, the numbness wears off. Um, continue to pray for them. They're struggling. And they wanted to be here tonight. And with the funeral tomorrow, they just were physically exhausted still and just did not feel they could come. And, uh, but they wanted to let you know that they were thinking of us. And uh, do be in prayer for them uh, as they go through the funeral service tomorrow, that God will strengthen them and give them grace in the days ahead. Continue to pray for Brother Ron Beckett. 
uh, who's uh, still continuing to decline. Miss June Bolin, uh, who again is very, very uh, serious at this point. Um, as far as I know, the last word I had gotten was that they were not going to seek further treatment for her. And uh, so continue to pray for, for her as she goes through some of that. Um, also, uh, pray for Brother Everett Scheffler. That's, I, my mind just about went blank there. Brother Everett Scheffler uh, and Miss Florence. And uh, both of them, uh, Miss Florence was here Sunday. It was good to see her, but she's still got a long way to go. And we found out this week that uh, they have uh, found some additional lesions on her uh, liver and some other areas and that they're concerned about. And so uh, we certainly want to be in prayer for Miss Florence. She's been very tough, and if you talk to her, uh, she talks about how good God has been. And, uh, boy, what a blessing. What a blessing. I hope one day, if I go through those things, that I can be half as faithful as some of these ladies have been. God is good, and He's always right. Even when we go through things like that and we don't understand them, we can trust the fact that He's always good, and He is always right. And uh, so pray for them, and uh, I'm sure Miss Florence will keep us posted as she finds out some things. I, she had to go up for chemo today, I think. Is that right, Miss Linda? Or, oh, did they cancel it? Okay. I see. Okay. I see. Right. Okay. All right. Okay, and then I've not uh, shared a lot of details about this either, but my daughter, uh, uh, I'm not supposed to say, <laughs> anyway, uh, it's out now. I, Alyssa has been dealing with a few physical problems that we're concerned about, and um, so continue to pray. She's got some more tests that need to be run, and so if you will, keep her in prayer, all right? And uh, they don't really want that out on social media, so don't, don't post that anywhere but until they know. Until uh, they know more about it. Okay? All right. All right. Anything else? Or an answer to prayer? We, uh, certainly answers to prayer as well. So, either one. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. So, and their, their name's Ashley? Okay. All right. So pray for this one. Okay. Miss Kathy. Okay. All right. Sure. Okay. Okay, any other unspoken requests? Two, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, ten requests that God knows what they are. And uh, we don't want to share them publicly because they may be of a sensitive nature, but certainly burdens that we have that God knows about. All right, Miss Kim? Amen. 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 
sure. Okay. Right, okay. Right, sure. Yeah. Right. Right, sure. <laughs> there you go. All right. Also pray for uh, Brother Ronnie and Hillary Baker. Uh, they've been having a, a go of it. Ronnie texted me this week. Um, they've they've had a lot of physical issues in their family, and uh, one one very serious issue. I I'm not sure I'm at liberty to share with y'all yet, or some of you may already know. I'm not sure. 
but uh, do keep them in prayer. They're hoping to be here maybe this Sunday, but uh, they've been through an awful lot physically, uh, and that's why they've not been here for several weeks now. So uh, if you can, keep them in prayer, Ronnie and Hillary Baker, and uh, that God will bless there in that situation. And uh, they need uh, they need a lot of prayer. They need a lot of grace right now. So if you could keep them in prayer as well. All right. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Sure. Okay. 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 I see. Okay. All right. We'll do. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. Let's go with Miss Kathy first. Okay. All right. Yep. Pray for them. All right. Miss Kim. Okay. Okay. All right. Sounds good. We'll do that. Did I see a hand over here? I thought I saw a hand on this side. Nope. Okay. All right. Brother Kevin Douglas, would you mind leading us in prayer for those tonight? And then we'll look to the Lord for His Word.
Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles, if you will. Turn to number, uh, number Psalm 115. It is a, a psalm. Uh, and I've been uh, going through the psalms here again recently, and it's just been a tremendous blessing. And uh, I've enjoyed doing it. And I uh, wanted to share a few thoughts tonight uh, from Psalm 115. And we're going to read uh, a good portion of the psalm. The psalmist writes, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name give glory for Thy mercy and for Thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever He pleaseth. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet, but they uh, uh, have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They make them. Uh, uh, they that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. O Israel, trust now in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord shall increase you more and more, uh, you and your children. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth hath He given to the children of men. The dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence, but we will bless the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Praise the Lord. Uh, psalm 115 is an interesting psalm. It was written during a time when uh, the children of Israel, or as best we can tell, it was written during a time when the children of Israel were in bondage to their enemies. They were seeking for God's deliverance. They, uh, if you remember and recall throughout the Old Testament, uh, oftentimes the children of Israel would go through times of great revival and coming back to God and recommitting the covenant with God and uh, saying, Lord, we're going to follow you uh, forever and ever. And they do for usually one or two, maybe three generations. Which, by the way, uh, let me just stop for a moment and say this. That same trend is typical today. Usually, by about the second or third generation, the, the heart, the, the, the desire for the things of the Lord has, has waned. And uh, it's interesting to watch... You get uh, somebody who has never been in church or has been very, in very little church, and uh, as they get older and they get uh, up in years, and then they trust Christ as their Savior. They get to a place where they realize that they are a sinner and they, they need something that's missing. And they get saved, and, and they are so excited. The burden has been rolled off. The joy is in their heart. Their life is different. Things, things even though it's hard, things just seem better. And, uh, and, and they're excited about that. And so they raise their children in church, and they start going to church, and their children get saved. And a lot of times, the children are going to church, and they have an excitement for God, but maybe not quite the excitement mom and dad had. And then those children have children. And again, they take them to church. And since their excitement was not quite as exciting as what mom and dad had, then they go to church most of the time. Uh, but but they, they miss a few here and there because, you know, it's not quite as important to them 
And those children are raised with that mindset. And then those children have a set of children. That's now our third generation of children that are being born. And that children is being raised by parents that can take or leave Christianity. If they go to church a little bit, then that's, that's good. You know, maybe they go at Christmas and Easter and a few times a year. And that's about the, the and, and then we see that cycle happen all over again. And then those children raise some children, they don't go to church at all. And maybe sometime in their lifetime they'll see their own need of the of the Savior and they'll come to Christ again and, and the cycle starts all over again. They're excited about things. And and I sell that to say and I know there are exceptions to that it doesn't happen in every case, but those trends in humanity seem to happen in three to four generations or so. And you find that true in the Old Testament. A lot of times in the uh, nation of Israel they may go 100 or 200 or 300 years even uh, sometimes uh, without there being uh, idolatry and a departure from the Lord. But sooner or later they would depart from the Lord and God would bring chastening uh, their way. And they would, He would use their enemies oftentimes to uh, bring them under captivity and under bondage. And uh, they would serve under bondage for a while. It took some time for God to bring uh, a spirit of, uh, of contriteness and humility and repentance to them. Isn't that a shame? We look at that and we criticize the children of Israel, but I, 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 isn't that a shame that it takes so much and so long sometimes for God to get us to that place where we say, Lord, I, I need to get some things right. I need to do, I need to do some, something here in my life. I need to come back to you. I need to rededicate myself to you again. I, I've departed. I've, I've allowed some things to become more important in my life than you. We've drifted. We've grown cold. Maybe we don't go to church like we used to. Maybe we don't read our Bible like we used to. Maybe we don't pray like we used to because the heart's not there. By the way, I, I, if you can't go to church or pray or read your Bible for any other reason than the fact that you know you ought to obey, then do it because you know you ought to obey. But isn't it so much better when you do it because you love God? Uh, the heart's there. The excitement's there. The joy is there. You want to be there. You want to be a part of it. You want to uh, feast on God's Word. You want to see Him answer prayer and uh, do something great. That's where the children of Israel are in Psalm 115. They desire this. They're in captivity. They're under bondage. And we find that as they begin this particular psalm, they make this statement, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us. Now, they make that statement twice. And what their desire is, is, is more than they desire deliverance. They desire for God to be glorified in how it, how it transpires, what comes about as a result of this. Their desire is that God is uplifted. And, and, and their desire is not that they get the glory. I was reading um, uh, 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 some stuff uh, this last week, and a fellow made a statement along the lines, I wish I, could, I should have written the quote down. He made a statement along the lines of the fact that it, it, sometimes we can become idolatrous in what our form of God is in our mind. We can make Him into some kind of a human form, what we think Him to be. And we can become idolatrous because we make Him in our image, what we consider Him to be. And I thought, boy, what a thought. I've never really quite thought of it that way before. But the truth of the matter is, we, we don't see God the way that we should. Oftentimes, we make, even though we, we, we say we love God, and even though we're uh, uh, reading our Bibles, even though we're praying, and we said it Sunday, it's possible to do that selfishly, to make it all about us. To make my Bible read. When I come to the Bible, I, I want to I see, well, yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. Instead of coming to the Bible and saying, God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. 
I want to know you more. I want to understand your heart. I want to understand your mind. I want to understand your truth so that it can affect my heart. We can become so selfish and egocentric in our, in our Bible reading. We can do that in praying where our prayers are all about us. Oh, woe is me. And I think we ought to petition God for our needs, and there's no doubt about it. But there ought to be times when we come to God in prayer that we just say, I love you. Lord, I want to just spend some time with you. I, every once in a while, uh, my, two of my kids live away from me. They're a long distance. In fact, I had a little issue today even. And uh, sometimes these, these girls, they'll call me. One of them's already married, you know, and they still call me. Dad, my car's broke down. Okay, I'm in Missouri. I don't, I, I can't get there quick. Uh, what do you want me to? Uh, or, or Dad, and they always call because they, you know, you know how you are, parents. They call, Dad, I love you. What do you need? Because <laughs> you know, it's, they're going to say what they need. They, they, they usually don't call otherwise, do they? And every once in a while, in a rare occasion, my phone will ding, and I'll get a little text from one of my daughters. And it'll have a little face there with a little kiss, puckered up lips, and a little heart by it. They don't need anything. They just want to say, Dad, we love you. And I'm going to tell you what, it does me good. Can I tell you this? Our our emotions, our minds are patterned after God's. You know, God is not a God that does not feel things. God experiences joy. Did you know that? God experiences sorrow. There's times that it grieves God's heart. And there are times, I think, that we can come to Him and say, Lord, I don't really need anything right now. I just want to spend some time with You. It's interesting that these folks are at the place where they're saying, God, it's really not about us at this point. Yes, we want to be delivered. But beyond that, we want You to be glorified. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that's their mindset? Because that's what the psalm talks about here. Let's take a look at it, if you will. Verse number 1. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. Two times they said, listen, God, it's not about us here. But unto thy name give glory. Now notice this. Notice this and don't miss it. I love this because of their heart here. He says, but unto thy name give glory for thy, notice this, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. What were they saying? They were saying, Lord... If our enemies see us given to them, how can we tell them you're a merciful God? God, if, if, if our enemies see that you are not delivering us and you are not protecting us, how can we say that you've been true to your promises to us? They were saying, listen, for your mercy's sake and for your truth's sake, we want you to be glorified for those two things. So, Lord, we're going to ask you to do something here. He says, look in verse number 2. And then this is their whole question to God. Wherefore should the heathen say, where now is their God? Apparently, that's what the heathen were doing. They were saying, listen, you all might have had God working in your life in some time in the past. Go back to Psalm 114. Go back one chapter, if you will. Psalm 114 was a psalm that was written for the time it was to be sung at the Passover. So it deals with the time that they came out of Egypt. And this is an amazing, amazing psalm. Look what it says, Psalm 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah was his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. This is where God dwelt. Isn't that amazing? It was his sanctuary. It was his dominion. He ruled over the nation of Israel. 
Notice what happened when God was among His people and when God ruled His people. Look what it says happens here in verse number 3. The sea saw it and fled. Great miracle. Could you imagine being there that day? Standing there on the banks of the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army and chariots coming up behind you. You're nervous. You're thinking, where am I going to go? I have no place to escape. They've pinned us against the sea. Where am I going to go? And God steps in. And He says, Moses, what are you doing standing here? Go forward. Okay, God, where's forward? Through that big old body of water right there. You can only imagine. Now, the Bible doesn't record this, but if I'm Moses and I've got a stammering tongue, but, 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 God, but God, there's water there. What am I going to do? And God steps in, doesn't He? And He does a notable miracle. He divides the water. He doesn't make it shallow. He divides it, and they walk across, the Bible says, on dry land. That's a miracle. You ever, you ever drain a pond? It takes weeks to dry out the bottom of it. God did it in an instant. The Bible says here in verse number 3, the sea saw it and fled. Jordan was driven back when they crossed into the promised land. Verse number 4, the mountains skipped like rams and the hills like lambs. What ailed thee, O thou sea, that thou fleddest, thou Jordan, that thou wast driven back? Ye mountains that ye skipped like rams and ye hills like lambs, tremble thou earth at the what? Presence of the Lord at the presence of the God of Jacob, which turned the rock into what? You ever tried to turn a rock into water? God did it, and it didn't, even, it didn't even cost Him any of His power. It didn't even exhaust Him. The flint into fountains of water. This is what happened when they came out of Israel, and now the children of Israel are under bondage, and the enemies are saying, where is that God that you talk about? Oh, He might have done it for the generations before, but He's getting old. He, he's, he's a reproach. He's not able to deliver you anymore. And there is a reproach that is given to God. And the children of Israel, quite honestly, are fed up with it. They are fed up with it. And in verse uh, chapter uh, Psalm 115, when they write this psalm, this is their heart's desire. Lord, why should the heathen say these things? I'm tired of them saying this kind of thing. This, this is about my God, the God that I'm not ashamed of. Notice what they say here in verse number... Um, as we get down, verse number... Oh, uh, let's go to... Uh, oh, let's see here. Verse number 3. Notice in verse number 3. It says, Wherefore should the heathen say... Uh, verse 2, Where is now their God? But look at this, verse number 3. But our God, notice this, is what? In the heavens, and He hath done... Whatsoever He hath pleased. Just because God wasn't working those miracles then did not shake their faith that He was still in the heavens and He still had everything under control. And they still had faith in their God. By the way, we're living in a time where more and more... You read some of the great, great revivals of the Great Awakening in the early years of the United States of America. You see, even in the mid-1900s, some of the great revivals that took place... We're living in a day now where the world is looking at us as Christians and mocking us and saying, where is your God? We don't see Him at work anymore. And there's a lot of Christians saying, you know what, you're right. Maybe He doesn't even exist at all. And they're abandoning their faith. Can I encourage you today, we still have a God in the heavens. And while He may not be showing these things today, we can still trust Him. Why? Because He's in the heavens. 
and He hath done whatsoever He hath pleased. Because it's not about me. By the way, let's not try to manipulate God. God does what God wants in God's timing. Satan tried to do that, didn't he? And Jesus was on the cross. And he tempted this, uh, the Lord, and he had these men say, well, if you're the Son of God, why don't, you, uh, why don't you save yourself? Come down off that cross. Now, there's two questions I have. Could God have done that? Absolutely, He could have. But was He going to do it for the best interest of mankind? Absolutely not. He knew the price needed to be paid. And so the world is going to try to throw temptation and say, where is your God? Where is He? That We're living in a day-to-day where more and more people are starting to say there is no such thing as God. Yeah, educated people with a lot of letters behind their name, Ph. whatever, all these different degrees, they interview them as scholars, biblical scholars. Those guys don't have enough sense about the Bible to get in out of the rain. And they get on these television shows and they explain away the miracles of the Bible and the deity of God and the fact that, that Christianity is a crutch. They, they deny that God even exists. They say, that, they say that Christians that, that, that believe in God and those that hold to God's Word, that, that they are using it as a crutch, that these people are weak people, and, and that answers to prayer are just coincidences that just seem to happen. There's not really a God doing those things. I heard, I heard a preacher the other day, he was talking about the fact he was sharing the gospel with somebody one day, and it was a, a doctor, he was a well-educated man, a physical doctor, he was a medical doctor well-educated man. He was sharing the gospel with him, and the medical doctor very piously or very uh, proudly pumped, uh, pumped himself up, said, you Christians, he said, uh, you guys are just so weak, you have to use the, uh, God as a crutch. And the preacher said, you know what, you're exactly right. Because I realize I'm a broken and an undone sinner. And I've got to lean on Him in order to get by. I've got to make sure I've got to trust Him. I think it's a great compliment for somebody to say we're using God as a crutch. Because I hope that's the case. If I'm doing it in my own strength, then something's wrong. Look in Psalm 115 again. He says, But our God is in the heavens. He had done whatsoever He pleased. And that's not even the point of the psalm yet. Are you ready? We're getting there. But this is, this is the situation they're finding themselves in. As you come down, and he takes some time here to talk about the idols that these folks serve, and the Israelites say, really, the people that trust in these, they're no different than the idols. They can't hear, they can't see, they can't speak, they can't walk. He says they're just like them. But in verse number 9, the prayer is, O Israel, trust thou in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Pretty good promise, isn't it? And then he tells the house of Aaron, those that were the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel, O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. And just in case they forgot somebody in all that mix, they tell them in verse number 11, Ye that fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord hath been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. Can I tell you, that's faith. To be in the midst of oppression from their enemies... To be under the the chastening hand of God and to be able to still say He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath He given to the children of men. And this, I believe, is the key to this whole psalm and what what God wants us to get out of this. At least for me, it was a great, great truth that I think is very, very important. Understand that there was a time in the nation of Israel where they were on fire for God. God delivered them from the Egyptians. 
There was revival going in on their hearts, on in their hearts, and great miracles were got given by God. But they're in a dry spell here. They're in a, they're in a, a, a desert place. God's mighty miracles have not been seen in recent days. Doesn't mean that He's any less powerful. They still trust in that. But notice what they say here in verse 17. The dead praise not the Lord. You know, the, the people that came into the promised land, the people that left Egypt, the people that with their own eyes saw those seas part and the Jordan River part, the people that with their own eyes watched as Moses struck and spoke to the rock and waters poured forth, those people, they're dead. They can't praise God anymore for those things. What was their prayer at the very beginning? Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name. Give glory. Is that the heart desire of this nation? I want to make sure that it's not about me, that it's about Him. I want to give Him the glory. Well, the dead can't do it. Neither any that go down into silence. But we, what were they talking about? Those of us that are alive and remain. Those of us that are here now. But we will bless the Lord. We're going to give Him the glory. We're going to lift Him up. We're going to point men to Him. Why? Because we're tired of the heathen saying, where is your God? I'll be real frank with you. I'm, I'm living in 2021. I look around and there are a ton of people in this world saying, where is your God? And I'll be real frank with you. I'm tired of it. The dead aren't going to praise Him. The dead aren't going to be the ones that are going to show the world our God in His might and in His majesty. The one that made the world and all that in them is. It's going to have to be you and I. We're going to have to lift up our voices. But we will bless the Lord. Notice he says this, from this time forth and forevermore. Can I tell you this? I think every single one of us ought to make a decision in our lives Lord, I'm going to be vocal. I'm going to tell everybody I can about You. I want the world to understand that there is a God in heaven. And while we don't see the great revivals that there were a hundred years ago, that doesn't mean He's any less strong. He's still there. You know, this world has an idea that in the early church, in the centuries following, there was a great, great zeal for God. But there are a lot of people out there claiming the gospel is getting tired and old. And I'm to be honest with you, I'm tired of hearing them say it. I want to lift up this wonderful news of the gospel, this powerful, powerful message. And I want to make sure they know there's a God in heaven that loves them. I believe the whole thrust of Psalm 115 is found in those last two verses. We will give, we will give Him glory. We'll praise Him. And they don't make the commitment for just today. They say from this time on and forevermore. We're going to do it for the rest of our life. Can I encourage you? We're living in a time where we are desperate in need of God's people saying, I have a God in heaven. I'm not ashamed of Him because I know that He is a God that is all-powerful. He is almighty. And I know that I have a God who loves you with all of His heart. I know that I have a God that can take a man who is lost and on his way to a devil's hell, and cannot do anything to save himself, I have a God that can reach down and save that man. I can't do it. It's not even about me. But it is about Him.
We're living in some times where we need God's people to stand up and say we're going to give Him the glory. We're going to lift Him up to a lost world. We're going to make sure that the enemies of God don't ask the question, where is your God? I want them to see Him in me. I want them to look at my life and say, what an amazing God that man has. I want to point men to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we ought to all make that commitment. I love what the psalmist says here. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto Thy name be glory forever. Oh, that we would learn to glorify God. Get out here. This world is, is desperate. It is desperate, folks. We've been given the great, great task of taking this wonderful news to everybody in the world. And can I share a heartbreaking thought with you? We're failing. We're failing. Why? Not because God is any less strong, but perhaps we have not lifted up our voices. Maybe we've said, you know what, there are great, great preachers of a hundred years ago, and man, if the world just had somebody like them, they're dead. They're not going to be able to do it. That leaves you and me. We need to lift Him up. We need to point men to Him. I want to challenge you with that tonight and encourage you with that tonight. To take time and read Psalm 114, Psalm 115. What an amazing thought there is in those two psalms. There are a few people that think those two psalms actually belong together. I don't know that there's enough evidence to support that specifically. But God, in His perfect wisdom, when they were putting these psalms together, put those two right next door to each other. And I think have done a great job of, of expressing the contrast of what took place there. The dead are not going to be able to praise Him. Only you and I. All right, let's be in dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. Lord, use it, we pray, in our hearts our lives. We've got a very short amount of time. We've got very little time left. Lord, whether by the rapture or by death, life is short. And Father, there are so many, so many in this world that are lost. There are so many that are rampantly and quickly departing from You. They're looking at the Christian and saying, Where is your God? Lord, may we show them to Him. May we lift You up. May we help to draw men to You. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.